This is Foxhole Podcast number nine. This is Joe DeLisi, and today we are going to talk about spaghetti. Yep, spaghetti. Well, for one, because uh, I am in, well, I'm in the last week, I guess, of uh, a no sugar challenge, um, which really hasn't been that difficult, but the spaghetti is definitely not on the list of things I can eat while you're on the no sugar challenge, either because the stinking noodles have sugar in them or the uh, the sauce does. So anyway, spaghetti. <clears throat> I have a couple thoughts today, um, sort of random in nature, but uh, I've recently done a series of um, what do you call it? free? I was going to say pro bono, but it's the same thing. Free one-on-one meetings with people, uh, coaching, just kind of give them my perspective on, uh, what they do and, um, you know, what might be working for them, what night, what might not be. And uh, all these individuals happen to be in the financial services industry, which, uh, as you guys probably know, is my main, uh, my main job. I've done it for 20 years. And so I've got a pretty good credibility in that industry. And, uh, you know, what, I, what I've done and the way I've done it has worked, uh, so far. And, uh, so people are interested in what I have to think about that. So, um, I actually wrote something on the airplane, uh, about a month ago and never really found its way into an article or a paper or anything of any kind of value really. So, uh, I thought I'd read it today. Um, it's not that long, so bear with me. And uh, at the end of it, I'll kind of get into some of the th- thoughts and uh, more minutia really around it. In fact, probably I'll just <laughs> I'll just read part of it and then uh, and and add stuff along the way. But I titled it uh, "I Would Rather You Eat Spaghetti Than Work." And so here's what I wrote: Almost 20 full years into this career of ours and the work we do, and I get asked how I ever made it, or put another way. How did I survive in the early years? It seems the financial industry is really aging and is doing a rotten job of recruiting, or more to the point, retaining uh, its recruits. Uh, and by the way, that's that's just true um, across the board. I don't care what company you're with. I don't care uh, what uh, what type of financial sales you're in, wholesaler, uh, you know, direct retail. Um, doesn't matter. It's definitely an aging industry. So I can't pretend I have the answer for everyone. In fact, that is why I prefer the title of coach over trainer. My belief is that a coach is one who takes his own talents and abilities and searches for the talents and abilities of his player in an effort to get the max out of the player so the player can reach the goals he himself states he wants to reach. A trainer, in my opinion, teaches the same process and system to every player regardless of talent set or ability. So I can only address the question of how I made it in this career from a coach's perspective. In other words, take what I say with a grain of salt, because it may not work for you. But it definitely worked for me. Furthermore, what I can say is that while I can't say if you know what I did will work for you, or even for the majority, I can without a doubt tell you that the way the industry is training people currently is not the answer. And that's because the metrics suggest we are failing at retention. So here's what I did early in my career. I ate spaghetti, (laughs) I took naps, and I went to the gym instead of doing what our industry would call work. And I'm deadly serious about that. My value set always dictated to me that I put free time above awards or money. I mean, I wanted those things too, but not at the expense of the free time. I also knew that I needed to book a certain amount of meetings and do a certain amount of fact finders every day and, you know, or every week in order to feed myself and live to fight another day. The fact is I literally felt that this was simply a war of attrition and that the longer I hung around this business, the higher the chances were for me to find success. I knew therefore that I needed to meet certain criteria in order to stay in the game. 
But that's the funny thing. As soon as I hit my goal for the day or week or whatever we're talking about, I left the office. I left the office. I never hung around and pretended to work. It never made sense to me. I mean, what were all these other guys doing all day? They couldn't be actually working because their production numbers were public and they were freaking awful. And as time went on, it became apparent that they showed up, they posted, but not because they were actually working. They did it to either, I don't know, hide from their spouse or simply feel like they worked since you know they were somewhere from nine to five. So they put on those awful wrinkled, crinkled up dress shirts and those horrible ties and those stupid pants that didn't even fit and shoes that were never shined, and they sat in the office with their their collar stays not fixed, and they'd just sit in the office all day and talk to each other. They'd build business plans, they talked about strategy and cases, and even studied for exams, anything but the actual work they were hired to do, namely call on people and help people solve financial problems. But not me. <clears throat> and not because I'm super duper smart at business or anything like that, I just had better things to do with my time. Like, go back to my apartment, make a bowl of spaghetti, and eat the entire damn thing while watching Sports Center three times in a row. Like, literally, that's what I did. Then I'd take a nap, because, you know, a whole bowl of spaghetti is, you know, it's hard on the stomach. You gotta take a nap. And then I'd go to the gym and wake up the next day and do it all over again. I mean, there were days I worked very hard. I still do, but not every day. And if I don't have meetings with clients, or if I'm not trying to get meetings with clients, then I go home, just like I did 20 years ago. So did it work? Yeah, it did. It worked. How? I'm not really sure, but here's what I think. Eventually, I'd feel guilty that I wasn't at the office or meeting with more people. I felt guilt that I was playing pickup basketball at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. So I did the only thing that would stop the guilt. I went and found more clients. But that never happened to the people who were in the office in their fancy clothes all day. Those guys never felt guilty because they felt like they were working I mean, they got dressed and they went into the office from nine to five, just as they were told to do, um, even if they weren't making any money, but they never felt guilt. They just chalked it up to bad luck or this being a hard job or honestly, even worse that, well, everyone else has mediocre results. So, you know, it's not unique. And I've never done things a normal way. I've always questioned the way things are done. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, look, there's a lot of times I've tried stuff and done stuff that just massively failed. But in terms of how I built my business, I can tell you with 100% certainty that the way we are classically trained isn't likely to work. So why not try something different? Instead of just posting up and hiding from your wife, husband, girlfriend at the office, just go home and eat spaghetti and take a nap until you either A, feel guilty enough to go to work for real, or B, you decide to just go get a real job where you get paid for showing up nine to five. And, you know, so I wrote that again on an airplane a little while back, and it was, it was really a response to a question I had from a, a manager um, from a company, uh, and he, is, he was trying to figure out, like, okay, you know, if I agree with Joe, if I agree with your premise that um, what we're doing traditionally isn't working, then what's your answer? Like, what, what would you try? And so I just jotted down some notes in my head because I I never pretend to have all the answers. I'm I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not a behavioral specialist. I'm, you know, I've got a communication degree from the University of Maryland. And outside of personal finance, where I am an expert, um, there's very little things in life that I'm an expert on. But I do have a lot of data behind me from what worked for me and what I've seen other high producers, what worked for them. I think this is true, by the way, almost in anything that we that we, any endeavor that we undertake, 
you know, I like to try to look at things uh, from a lot of different angles, not just business, because while something might very well work in business, does it work in relationship building or does it work in um, physical training or does it work in any other area of life? I'm, I'm always curious. I'm trying to find things that are universally true. Um, just because I like to simplify things. So for instance, like the whole concept of discipline. Uh, I love discipline and speaking about discipline because it's the same skill set, no matter whether it's business relationships, uh, spirituality, uh, nutrition, physical training, it's, it's across the board the same. And so that's why I like it because it's easy. I don't have to overthink it. I don't have to apply it differently. I just have to do it. Um, and let's just face it, most people, I mean, some people search out the complex, but for the most part, the, the simpler you can make a plan, the better off you're going to be at executing it. So yeah, go eat spaghetti. <laughs> and you know, the idea of guilt is, is a difficult one to talk about too, because you know, guilt long-term is not a good issue either. Um, <clears throat> a lot of times people will feel guilt over uh, poor production, low income, um, or it could be something even more nuanced, like they didn't get the right award at the right time and they just feel crappy and they attribute it to guilt. But really, I don't even know if it's guilt. What I see in the people that I coach is it's not so much guilt as it is they are, they're basically putting their value in their production. Um, you know, performance based life, uh, based life where we're, we're just playing for the awards or playing for the applause and that may drive you. Uh, it certainly does drive people. <clears throat> the problem with that is what happens when the applause goes away? What happens if you get negative feedback? What happens when the awards don't come? Um, rather than you just saying, Phew, you know, tough year, tough month, tough week, whatever, you start saying things like internally, like, uh, you know what? I was a fraud this whole time. This was all just, you know, I, I fooled them. I got lucky. I, you fill in the blank. And, and if you're listening, you probably know what I'm talking about because that fraud situation comes across uh, all of our minds at one point in time. It's just, it's just almost universal. So uh, yeah, go eat spaghetti, <laughs> create the guilt or, you know, just, just go find a different job. Um, selling things, uh, running a business, um, <clears throat> dealing with people. Uh, in the public, uh, managing people. These are just extremely difficult jobs, uh, really hard choices to make. Now, they, are, they have a lot of upside too, but you've got to be prepared uh, to go through a lot of emotional swings on this stuff. So it's not, that's not weird. You know, one of the things I do in, with my coaching sessions with people uh, in the groups is we have a spouse day where uh, Jamie comes with me and we meet the client and the spouse. And we explain to them, you know, what it's like being a business owner and the emotions around that and the ups and the downs and the lefts and the rights. Because, you know, a lot of times our spouse is at home and, you know, the husband or wife, the, the spouse in the relationship has no idea really what you're going through on a daily basis because it's not a punch the clock kind of a job being a business owner or a sales professional. It's just not. It's really a 24-7 kind of soul-sucking thing. And I'm not saying that to be like, you know, oh, woe is me. No, there's a huge upside. But let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of things about this career uh, in sales and business building that just most people don't understand. And it's not their fault. They're not built the same way. But we've we got to be able to have those conversations. And that's just those conversations are not being had. You know, I talk a lot about team. 
Well, how can you build an effective team on the home front when your spouse, who is the most important part of your team, doesn't really fully understand what it is that you're doing every day? Or, or the, the, the effect it has on you, the toll it takes. <clears throat> they see the upside, right? Um, they see the, the income. They see maybe the awards. They see those things. But they don't understand all of the things that you had to go through to get to that spot. So you got you to let your team members in on that. Um, so that, that would just say it's another big piece about how to, how to build your business. The other question I get, I, this is kind of turning into almost a uh, Q&A session, but I get the question a lot around um, how long did it take you, meaning me, to be successful or you know, make a certain amount of income um, or even build the team, the professional team that I have now. And the answer to that question is it took a long time. And in fact, it my my success that you you might see on the outside, while the numbers looked good fifteen years ago, the the fact of the matter is, you know, five years into this business, while I was getting the awards and it looked like I was making good money, I was dead broke because I was building a business from zero. You know, so you get into now I'm in sales, so you get into the sales industry especially financial sales, and you start, you're going in five years. And even if you're hitting the awards and you're getting the recognition, the reality of the situation is you're probably not making any money, at least not net. Your top line revenue might be okay, but your bottom line revenue is crap, unless you are an outlier. So I say these things because I, I want people who listen to this in the comfort of their car on the way home, or maybe with their, you know, ear pods in at the gym just it's just you and me right now, right? It's just us talking. But I want to validate some of the things that I know you're going through. And it's hard to have these conversations and be validated for the things you're feeling with people around you if they're not successful. And that's a hard thing for me to say because I'm not, you know, I don't like pointing fingers and saying this person is successful and that person isn't because really I don't know. But if we just use the universal language of, you know, income, let's say, and you're feeling like a fraud or you're feeling guilty or you're feeling like, man, you're five years in and you, when's it going to turn? And you, you go into the office and you have the conversation with somebody who's not doing the job themselves. Like they're just not making any headway. And they say, oh, yeah, I have that same issue. Well, that doesn't help you at all, right? Because there, there's not a lot of credibility. Conversely, what I see is a lot of times the people who are quote unquote up on stage or they're getting the accolades or the, the recognition Oftentimes, we don't like to open up our dirty laundry and say, hey, maybe not only did it take me longer than you think to be successful, but maybe I'm struggling right now, which is also accurate. I mean, I have struggles now. I mean, look, this is, again, there is no end zone to this. There is no finish line. So what are we racing towards? I'm 20 years into this business that I'm in that I've built, my uh, financial practice, and um have I quote unquote made it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Government regulation can change. Payouts can change. Leadership in the, uh, the firm that I work in can change. Contracts can change. Uh, clients and the way they interact with you can change. Technology can change. Taxes go up. And we, you know, we laugh about that, but look, the reality is every time the government takes more in taxes, like where does that come from? It's not like I get to just magically pull it out of my butt. No, I have to, I have to spend less somewhere else or save less somewhere else. It's, it's an impact. 
Maybe I make a bad business decision. Maybe I make a bad investment, right? So it, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you quote unquote have made it on the outside or not, we all still really struggle with this stuff. That's okay. The struggle is actually a good thing. Right? You've heard the, the phrase, the journey is the destination. That's, that's so cliche and yet it's so true. The good stuff is actually the bad stuff. So when you're going through the hard times, that, that's good stuff. The thing is you need somebody to interpret the bad times for you, right? To kind of come alongside you, interpret the failures, let's say. Um, a lot of times the failures aren't even failures. You know, I had a, a coaching client that I took uh, on an ocean excursion with retired Navy SEAL. And he, uh, it was a bunch of us. We went out into the water and we were going to swim three or four hours in the open ocean. And this one individual just, he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. Um, and it wasn't even physical. It was totally mental. You know, he was looking at me saying, I, I, uh, I just, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And, and he could. It was, it was all in his mind. And so finally, uh, both myself and the SEAL said, okay, you know, no sweat, go into the beach, um, you know, just hang out there. <clears throat> we'll be back in three or four hours. This guy took it as a huge failure. But the reality is, you know, again, this goes to the interpretation of failure. I went back to him and I said, look, dude, here's the thing. <laughs> you have young kids. You're the only one who can make the call where you were physically we might bust your chops for it. You might see it as a failure, but at the end of the day, you're responsible. You are being responsible. What happens if you pushed yourself and you, and, and you got hurt or worse? That's the ultimate failure. Not you know, saying I'm not going to swim. That's not the failure at all. And yet, the cool thing is I was also able to explain to him, now look, you also didn't get the cool factor of being able to complete that swim and go back and talk about it with everybody like the other guys did. Remember that feeling, right? Because that occurs whether it's this goofy swim in the ocean or whether it's you miss your mark professionally or whether it's you tell your wife you're going to do something and you don't. To the victors go the spoils. So failure, and you've heard it again, again, we get these motivational quotes and it becomes very cliche. Like you only learn in failure. Well, that's just simply not true. You should learn through failure. But in, in most cases, unless you have somebody who can interpret the failure for you, you're going to miss the lesson in the failure. You just are. You're going to make it logistic. That's human nature. So this man might say, ah, yeah, man, you know what I learned in failure? Um, I need to have a, maybe a, a, a not as tight a fitting a wetsuit so I don't hyperventilate. Or, um, you know what I learned through failure? Maybe I needed to have some different fins. Again, logistic. That's not it at all. What the man should have seen was, ah, what I learned in failure is if I don't hit the mark, I'm not able to have the same experience for the rest of my life looking back on that. That's, that's a big deal. And that's universal. Right? So again, just a kind of a, a weird example, but that's, that's part of the team thing. Um, gosh, another thing that has really been on my mind is, and it relates back to discipline. I think we need a better working definition of what discipline is. Um, I've had a few one-off conversations this past week and, um, both, both people, I, there's two in, in particular I'm thinking of both of these, uh, people, 
uh, were telling me that they couldn't understand why they, they couldn't get themselves to do the things in their business that they know they needed to do. One of the guys that wasn't business related, it was actually personal. Um, he knew uh, he had a situation uh, in a relationship. Um, he knew exactly what he needed to do to, to improve the relationship. And he literally every day just wouldn't do it. Um, and so different circumstances, right? One was business related. One was uh, personal related. But both men told me essentially the same story. One said, yeah, it's so weird because, you know, man, when I was back in college and I, I was a great basketball player, actually, there's three that I'm thinking about it. One guy was a basketball player. One guy was a soccer player. And one guy was a golfer. But all three men used the same example. They're like, yeah, I mean, back when I played fill in the blank sport and I stopped him right there because I consistently hear this misapplied. So for all three, I said, well, let me let me make sure that I just like I'm not assuming too much. Can I assume that you were a really good golfer? Oh, yeah, I was a great golfer. I was all American. Okay, cool. Can I also assume that you loved golf? Yeah, I loved golf. And it's, are you kidding me? I lived and breathed it. Okay. And then can I furthermore assume that what you're going to tell me is you were really disciplined back then when you were an all-American golfer because you showed up and you did all of your chips and putts and practice swings and you know, all that stuff. Then, and you're saying that that was discipline. And the man said, yeah, all three of them did. That's not discipline at all. That's called, I love to golf, or I love to play soccer, or I love to play basketball. It's not discipline. For me, a lot of you guys will say, Joe, I just don't have your discipline to wake up at 4.30 and go work out every day. Well, guess what? Most of the time, that's not discipline for me either. Sometimes it is. There are some days the alarm clock goes off and I really don't want to get up, but I do it anyway because I know I have to. Like I need to work out every day. That's a good thing. But nine times out of 10, I look forward to that. I enjoy it. I like getting up early. I like going and running until my lungs blow up or lift kettlebells until I can't feel my fingers anymore or do burpees until I cry. I like that. There's no discipline in that. For me, you know where the discipline is found? Take sugar away from me for 30 days. Tell me I have to go make, I don't know, one new personal contact of another human being every day for 30 days. Um, tell, me that, uh, tell me that I can't watch a, a sporting event for six months or whatever, you know, those kinds of things. Um, tell me I need to make uh, 50, 50 cold calls a day for a week. Um, or, you know, and the list goes on. So what I'm getting at here is for me and for all of you, there are things in your business, your relationship or in your physical or nutrition, spiritual life that let's just be honest, you really don't love doing. I'll give you another one. I don't love picking up the Bible and reading it. Should I? Yeah. If I did it more, would I? Maybe. But I'm not embarrassed to tell you that I don't love doing that. If you're being honest and you're a spiritual person, you're probably in the same boat as I am. I don't think we we suffer from a rash epidemic of people who read the Bible too much in America. I just don't think that's our issue. And yet, is it something I should be doing? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. So it requires discipline because I know it should be done and I don't enjoy doing it and I do it anyway. That's discipline. 
Should I be making a certain amount of calls every day or go to a chamber event once a month or, you know, fill in the blank of all the things that you can't stand doing? Well, should you be doing those? Are those good things to do? Yes, they are. Do you love doing them? No, you don't. Is that the definition of discipline? Yeah. All right. So when, when I'm trying to get my people to acquire the skill set of discipline, we do it in an unconventional manner. We try different things. We have the relationship challenge, we have the sugar challenge, we've got the burpee challenge, like we do different things. Normally it's kinesthetic, although the relationship challenge was obviously uh, relational. Um, and, but we do those things to get people to understand that we, you, have to, you have to be okay with the fact that you don't like to do something and do it anyway. I will guarantee you this. I cannot think of anybody that I know who is really, really successful that does not have at least a medium holding of discipline. And the, the amount of discipline that people might need really is relative to talent, which is another topic I want to talk about today. We have to be better at knowing what, what level of talent you've got. You know, if you want to go to a study group or a conference or hire a coach that's just going to tell you how amazing you are, that probably ain't going to cut it. You know, I mean, that would be like me at 43 years old hiring a, um, a, a hitting coach and me telling him, I really want to get to the major leagues. Like, I can do it. I'm going to be the guy. Remember how they made that, that, that movie about that pitcher years ago as a teacher who, you know, wound up making uh, the major leagues and played for the Tampa Bay Rays? I want to be that guy. Well, the problem is I don't have the talent for it. And I never did. <laughs> It's not because I'm 43. At 23, I wasn't. I was good, but I wasn't talented enough to be a major league baseball player. So we have two choices: we could pretend like we have that talent, or we could just say, "Ah, you know what? I love that. I enjoy doing it, and I don't have the talent to be a major league player in that area." Now, in the world of sales, business building, etc., like you know, everyone wants to be a business owner. Or today, the big thing is being an entrepreneur. But very few people out there actually have the ability to be a quality business owner. You don't have the talent. It doesn't mean that you're not worth anything. It just means that you should fit in somewhere else inside of a business. Maybe you, maybe you're the number two guy. Maybe you're the marketing guy. Maybe you're the sales guy, and you make a half a million dollars a year being a sales guy. You got a problem with that? See, I wouldn't. I'm very, I'm very much aware of what I'm naturally gifted at and where I don't have a natural gift. And where I don't possess a natural gift or affinity for something, that's where the discipline comes in. So again, just kind of, we, we tend to cover the same things here, but when I get on the phone with you guys or I meet you at a conference or we sit down face to face or you hire me, and we speak these things through, I, I, it's the same things over and over and over. So I'm not going to change my tune. I know what, what's what. Another thing that's out there is this whole idea that, that you can't take free time. That's completely the opposite approach. The free time and, and the being at play is the reason why you're able to go produce the hard results. Taking time off, decompressing, um, doing the opposite of what you're trained to do is allowing you to work better and harder. It's not the reward, it's the cause. Like my coach tells me, it's the cause, not the reward. So yeah, your talent, <clears throat> it's just not likely, it's just not going to change. So just start being honest with yourself. And if you can't be, hire a coach. 
You know, go, go talk to somebody and say, what do you think my talents are? You might be surprised what you find. You know, most of the people that I've met in management and corporations, um, they think they're really, really good leaders. And reality is that the worst leaders is why they're stuck where they are. Um, and that's not a, it's not a dig at them. Not everybody can be an amazing leader or inspirational at all. That's just not, it's not normal. That's why great leaders are so amazing and so, uh, so rare. So we got to get clear. Where's your talent? What's your discipline level? What's your team? And the, other th- the last thing I'll say is this. Let's talk about mission a little bit. In these meetings that I had with uh, people um, this past week, uh, I routinely asked the question, what was the number one reason why you do what you do? And these people I'm thinking of were all in the, the sales world. Uh, specifically in the financial sales world. And I'll give a couple of them credit. Like they, they nailed it. Um, but most of them, the majority of them, like four out of six of them, or maybe even five out of six, if you think about it, um, what they told me is, oh, I do this because I want to help others. That's just not true. Um, if it is true, you're in the wrong business. Like Mother Teresa was in business to help others. She gave everything, right? She had no possessions, she, she did it for free. So if you're telling me that you sell financial products and you do it to help people, that's your, that's your purpose and mission in life, I'm just going to call BS on you. That might be number three or four on the list. Like, of course you want to do no harm. Yeah, I don't want to be associated with or coach anybody who's a bad person. But your number one reason for being in business is to make money or to have your own business, you know, to, be, to, to have uh, autonomy of schedule maybe. So... Audit yourself on that. What is your mission? What's your, pri- what's your number one priority? What's your purpose here? What are you trying to do? Mine, as you know, as I've told everyone before, mine's to be at play. That is my purpose in life. I want to be at play because I'm the breed of dog that must be at play. Because if I'm not at play, I produce no value for anybody. I always want to be at play. And I want to lead my family to always be at play. <clears throat> and I want to lead my clients to be able to be at play. You know, my clients are always telling me, oh, I want to retire. I want to retire. Oh, cool. What are you going to do when you retire? You know what I never hear? I'm going to go to get another job. No. <laughs> no, they want to be at play. They want to go fish. They want to sail. They want to play golf. They want to move out towards their grandkids. You know what? They want to travel. They want to play. Guess what? Play now. Especially if you're in the business of sales, business building, finance. Like we have the ability to do these things and we're not taking advantage of it because we're posting up at the office with our goofy shirts and ties all day long. Now listen, that flies in the face of tradition. I get it. I'm not trying to break anything. If it's working for you, if putting the cufflinks on and the collar stays and going in with the the old pleated pants and the the loafers and hanging out nine to five, if you are producing the results that that are good for you, Forget what the industry tells you. If you're producing the results that you expect and you're doing it the traditional way, the nine to five way, then don't stop. That's why I say you got to take what I say with a grain of salt. But I don't think that's the case for most of you guys. I just don't see it. Um, I see an industry uh, that's aging up, as we mentioned, and out. I'm seeing difficulty retaining people. 
Um, and it, really, this is universally across the board. It's not just uh, the predominant uh, people listening to this or in the financial world. Uh, this is sales in general. Like Things are changing. Products are sold differently. People expect <clears throat> different things from you, different experiences. Maybe it's time to try something different. Not flying in, not throwing it in the face of your superiors. Don't do that. That's not going to get you anywhere, right? Be respectful, follow the rules of the office, and push back a little bit. Do things a little bit differently. Try things. Try different processes on clients. Dress differently. Take more pride in your appearance. Forget business for a little bit and work on the rest of you. Maybe you've got 20 pounds to lose. Maybe that's it. Maybe you've got a health issue that you know is being uh, made worse by poor nutrition and poor physical training. Let's work on that. Maybe, maybe you're having a really, really hard time at work because home life isn't so great. You know, you married the guy or, or the woman because you were in love with them. And maybe things have gotten stale. Well, let's work on that. Let's build the confidence because at the, at the end of the day, whether you're a professional athlete a CEO or a salesperson, or even a high-level executive, or executive at any level in a corporation, let's face it, you lose confidence, it's game over. And confidence isn't something you acquire and never lose. At least not in my experience. Mine ebbs and flows. That's why I have coaches. That's why I have certain different, I have different team members in different areas of my life. I lean heavily on my close relationships. I'm always searching out new ones that are close to me. I'm not much of a social person. I'm not a big party guy. But man, if I can find those relationships where they can interpret my failures and they can speak to me, the blind spots that I see, it's worth its weight in gold. How dare anybody be the coach that isn't coached? How dare anybody talk about relationships who's not in relationship? Right? How dare anybody be in financial sales when they have no finances? And if you are that person right now, guess what? It's temporary. Or at least it could be. You can fix those things. You can fix your body. You can fix your nutrition. You can, you can fix the fact that you don't speak to God every day. You can fix a poor balance sheet. You can fix a poor relationship with your spouse. These things are fixable. I don't care how old you are. They're fixable. But you got to work on it. It doesn't come easily. And I'll leave you with this. When you look at money, let's say, or a house, let's start with a house, um, and you have a, you have a plan, you have a, uh, what do you call it, um, blueprint, and the blueprint calls for very specific materials and in very specific measurements and very specific, um, you know, it's got to be up to code, um, <clears throat> and, and if you move <clears throat> one wall you know, six inches it could throw, it could throw the other side of the house off completely and cost you 80 grand to readjust. Okay, so a house, you're building a house. If, if you had everything dialed in perfect on the home, the blueprint, and then at the last second, the builder came in and said, oh, um, yeah, instead of that, uh, that, that, that metal, that copper metal, uh, we can't find any copper, so we have to use uh, you know some other metal. I'm, I'm not a builder. Um, might that screw up the home? Yeah, it could. Oh, we don't have that wiring available anymore. We're going to use the wiring we used in 1980. 
And it doesn't matter how beautiful the house is. You put poor wiring or poor plumbing or poor structural things in there, and the whole thing's going to fall apart. Money. You have a perfect balance sheet. Your protection's in order. Your cash flow's perfect. You're a great saver. You have low, low debt or no debt. Um, everything's humming along. Everything's great. High income. Great. And then you change one thing. You take away uh, protection on your home, let's say. Could you not lose everything? Somebody comes over to your, your house and they trip and fall and sue you for 10 million bucks. You've got no insurance. You lose it and you lose everything. What I'm describing here is balance. Okay. It, you've got to look at every element of your, of your money or every element of the blueprint of your home. Or what I'm really speaking to is the entire mapped out elements of your life. That's something that you really have to work on. There's software built for that stuff. So as you're out there and you're starting to just feel off or antsy or things just aren't quite right and you don't really know where to go to fix them and maybe you have a coach but you can't talk to the coach that day for some reason, you need to be able to have somewhere to go like I do and look visually at your element map, your balance sheet of your life and look at it and say, well, where am I good to go? Where am I green? You know, maybe, it's your, maybe it's your physical state is green. You know, you're in good shape and you, your nutrition is on point. Um, but maybe your spiritual life is like yellow or red. Maybe a lot of things are green in nature, but some things here and there are yellow or red. Well, guess what? Why do you think you feel a little off? The problem is most of us are running through life and we don't have any kind of instruments to look at. We have no cockpit. We're just sort of living day by day by day by day. And even when I coach you guys one-on-one out there in the audience, in my audience here, uh, almost universally, at least 85%, 90% of you, we spend the entire time on your business. I get it. I understand because you kind of look at me as a a business coach. I get that. But I got to tell you something. That is one area of your, your element map of your life. It's just one area. It would be like if your clients in the financial world only looked at investing. When there's an entire whole universe out there of debt and cash flow and protection issues that they should be looking at. And they want to be really myopic and look at one thing. You guys are doing the same damn thing. So pull back 30,000 foot view, holistic approach, looking at all areas of your life, relationships, personal and professional, um, health, nutrition, physical training, all the ways you can physical train, um, you know, high intensity workouts, uh, metabolic conditioning, uh, um, distance, weights, uh, strength training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, nutrition. You know, what's the right what's the right sustainable plan for you long term? Is it is it ketogenic dieting? Probably not. But if it is, fine. Um, is it uh, no sugars? Is it uh, plant based? Is it whole food? Whatever. Like I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I'm I'm agnostic. But I'm just saying you got to be able to figure it out. Something sustainable. In your spiritual life, what, is it, what does that look like? Are you engaging with anyone on that? Are you engaging with your spouse over that? Are you talking to God every day? Are you at least trying to? Are you reading um, whatever scriptures that you read? Are you, are you, are you engaging in it? Do you have other people around you with that? Your family life. You know, how much time do you spend with your kids? Are you giving your kids your heart? Or are you giving them your time? You know, showing up and going to event after event after event after event. That's, that's okay. I mean, hey, it's better than not showing up to anything with your kids, but are you being emotional with them? Or are you speaking to them from your heart? Are you spending time with them without the TV on and, and not at an event? 
Same thing with your wife or your husband. There's a, there's a, a litany of things that your element map of your life should have on it. All of this stuff, all of it, we're basically talking about the same thing. You want to be a better business person? Get your family life in order. You want to have a better family life? Get your spiritual life in order. You want to have a better spiritual life? Um, get your physical life in order. You want to get any of these things in order? You need discipline. How do you hold discipline long-term? You add teammates. It's really hard to hold discipline on your own. That's a tough skill set to hold on your own forever. Um, let me end with this as I usually do. At least I think I usually do. This is a, this is a company now I've had for a little over a year. It's a... Uh, labor of love, really. I mean, I really enjoy it. I like talking to the, my audience. I, I like doing these podcasts. I like um, seeing you, you, you folks out there and talking to you one-on-one. I like listening to the things you have to say and giving you my opinion back on them if you want it. I really like it. I enjoy it. <clears throat> I think I have a very unconventional approach to coaching people in the business world. And uh, I can only prove it one of two ways. You know, I, it's either, it either will or won't work. I either will get the stories and um, things will improve by working on other areas in your life, or they won't. But I need your help. Uh, I need to get the word out. So foxholepartner.com. Joe DeLisi, Foxhole Partner on Facebook. Uh, share it. You know, share the message. They don't have to be in financial sales. They don't have to be in sales at all. Um, just get the word out there. Let people come in and see all the free... Uh, um, uh, information and writings and podcasts that we have available. Um, you yourself taste it. If you like it, great. Uh, if you have things you would like me to talk about or comment on, let me know it. Let's make it a dialogue. Um, yeah, on that website, uh, you're going to see that uh, if, if you have a desire to speak to me or to be coached, I'm, I'm available for that. We can do it in groups. We can even do it on one day. I'm available to come speak to groups, study groups as an example. I'm available to come speak to your company for a day or an afternoon, whatever you want. Um, so, uh, yeah, I ask you to spread the word and engage. Um, you know, get on Facebook and, and mix it up and tell me what you think. Disagree with me. Um, and uh, let, let's see if that unconventional learning uh, is something that we can use to help you and create an advantage and grow your business and your lives in a way that really it just hasn't, it hasn't happened maybe yet for you. So with that, we'll end the podcast to thank you for listening. And uh, please, uh, you know, go on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a review, uh, but only good ones. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just review it for us. Let us know how, uh, how we're doing. Thanks and uh, have a great day.